Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to the Shred Coach Podcast with Tom Adams. Join us for an inspiring conversation with Reese Neff, CEO and founder of Omega eCycles, as she shares her journey from a career in banking to running a successful e-cycling business. Listen in as she gives us an inside look into her startup story for end-of-life IT assets and how her small but mighty team is making an impact in the York, PA area. Reese Neff, welcome to the Shred Coach Podcast. I am extraordinarily glad you're here. Thank you, Tom. I am extraordinarily happy to be here. Yeah, we're um, you and I haven't met at a conference before. It's unusual for me to have a conversation with somebody that I haven't pre-met through the years. I've been in the the greater records and information management industry for 25 years, and and somehow I go, how how have I not met you? But I am extremely excited to have you here. So let let's start with who you are. Let, to start with your company, what you do. Give me a little bit of of the company, your role in it, and then we'll dig deeper. Okay, sounds great. So again, I'm Reese Neff, and I have a company called Omega eCycles, which really is a DBA. It's Omega Data Security doing business as Omega eCycles. And, uh, you know, while my card says, you know, CEO and founder, I'm also wire girl, shred girl some days. Some days I'm the gal that's going to join to get snacks for the, for the guys. Right. So I'm all, all of that. But yeah, CEO and founder is truly my title. Okay. So e-cycling and e-cycling is this big, massive world within the greater world of information security and management. So Give me a sense of what Omega uniquely does. Give me a sense of the service lines, di- different things that you're actually doing. Okay. Well, our model, one of the things that makes us unique is that our model is a free model. So we do not ever charge a client. And we focus on everything computer IT related. So we will go to a, a business and we focus on only business, although I'll, I'll share with you a little bit more how I continue my mission to to help the community as well. But we... Go to a business, we pick up any end-of-life electronics, a.k.a. IT-related. Okay. And then we take it back to our warehouse. We pull the memory. Again, hard drive, solid-state memory. Even, you know, printers or copiers have memory these days. Scan the serial numbers to create a certificate of destruction yep. for the client. We shred the rest. And then we shred the hard drives, rather, and then we recycle the rest. And again, into zero cost. And we cover central Pennsylvania. At the moment, although if it's a large enough job, we've gone outside of that realm, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Washington, even Washington, D.C. I'm in a unique position where I live, being York, Pennsylvania, and that, you know, I'm two hours from a lot of big places. So right. that's kind of kind of nice. Got it. So you have a team. You mentioned you get coffee for the guys sometimes. So tell me a little bit about the size of your team or the scope and how long have you been at this? So my my team, I call them my team because I, I want to continue that uh, sort of way that we're headed. So the team really consists of myself, my husband, and my son. However, I'm, you know, my son is going to be the future general manager. And so, you know, teaching him those, the right language, I think is super important in his development yeah. in that role. So yes, it's a, it's a team. We're small, but mighty. Yes. So how long have you been at this now? Well, now I know we're... That's an interesting question, and there'll be more detail, I'm sure, as we go on. So let's say for this moment, the e-cycling piece will be two years in July. There's way that story. So Yes, there's uh, there's always more to the story. But just for context, as people are listening, to, to know you're you're not somebody who's been in this for 25 years. You're, you're a relatively new startup in this space. And 
from there, you're getting going, you're, you've told us a little bit about your footprint and the service line. So give me a sense of that story. What got you here? How did you get into this business in the first place? Why the heck would you choose what you've chosen when there's a world of other things you could have done in the last two years? Why e-cycling? Okay. All right, Tom, here we go. We've got to strap in for this great story. So All right. I was in banking for 15 years. My last position, I was a regional manager with a very large bank. I had 24 locations that I covered from everything from sales, service, and operational soundness for those 24 locations. My husband owns a company called Better Shredders. So he has actually been in the industry for over 10 years. He, he represents, he's an independent distributor for a company, Amerishred. I think you probably are familiar with them. They're amazing. Yep. So he's an independent distributor for them. So he's doing that. I'm in this banking world and banking is tough, really tough scenario. And through the, that, I'd had some illnesses, some family issues, and then mergers are happening in the banking world. And, and yep. they are tough, really tough. And one day I had to terminate 23 people in one day. And, you know, it was, I came home and I was, I was crying, you know, so you add that to all the other background stuff that's going on. And my husband's like, you know, why don't you come home? And I'm like, okay, I'll come home. And I'm like, what, what, what am I going to do? Cause I can't sit still. I, I told him, <laughs> you know, you could send me someplace that, you know, wherever, and I'd probably be bossing people around in two weeks. So that's not a good idea. Part of his business, though, he outfits a box trucks with the shredder on there so that he can do on-site mobile data destruction. Got it. Okay. And so he, he said, you know what, let's, let's get you a truck and you can, you can sell data destruction, on, on-site data destruction. I'm like, okay, I've spent 10 years listening to his phone calls and all of that, you know. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I, I think I, I can do this. And so in July of uh, 2019, we bought a truck, spent a lot of money, and we started Omega Data Security in January 2020. Well, a good good time to start, wasn't that? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. It was, you know, th there's a happy ending to that story that was kind of, you know, I'm going to turn that frown upside down in that. So, yes, you know, I live in a very conservative area. And for me, the data destruction piece is one of the most important pieces in what we do. I say that I'm a recycler at heart. However, we're experts in the data destruction arena. So this being a conservative area, I had a lot of contacts via banking, but being able to sit down in front of someone and say, hey, you know, I really don't think wiping that drive is the best way. And the best way is I'm going to charge you 5 to $10 a drive to, to destroy your hard drives or solid state. And um, no one you know, wants to hear that face to face, let alone now let's try to figure out how we're going to run our company as COVID is going on. Right, right. No, and that again, so I was like, okay, let's take a minute. And I used that first year to study NAID standards, listen to more phone calls from my husband, you know, just really study this, the stuff about data destruction. And because he's in the industry that he's in, he, you know, so it's now, it's, you know, February, 2021, he starts to hear that, wait, people are offering this service for free. So now, you know, I got a $70,000 truck and what are we going to, you know, what are we going to do? So, and, and I really could not go back to banking. That was not going to work for me. The thought of it made me feel not happy at all. And so quite honestly, Tom, I, I, I prayed, I, I prayed about it and I'm like, 
you know, God help me. Where do you want me to be? Mm. And Brett had a client down in Florida, a very nice man. His name's Greg Rabinowitz. He owns Urban Eat Recycling down in Tampa. And um, he reached out to him because he had sold him some equipment. And the, it was amazing. And I, I, this, I do believe this was God working. Greg's like, calm down to Florida. Bring your wife. I work with my wife, Dell, and I'll show you. We'll show you everything. We'll show yeah. you our business model. Just get here. And I have chills when I, when I, when I say that because I knew it was God's like, okay, God's saying, go to Florida, go to Florida. And, and I don't want to sound super religious. I have a relationship with God. I don't go to church on a regular basis, but I know that that was God saying, okay, let's do this. And so February 2021, Florida, we go. They were amazing. Mm. Um, and we were halfway there. We had the truck. We had the shredder. Right. The education. We just needed warehouse space. And so we came back and we were like, let's do this. And so we had to look for a warehouse space. Again, uh, I did a lot of praying because that costs money. And COVID's still going on. And I had an am amazing, through a friend, introduction to like, here's this warehouse space for virtually free. <laughs> it was yeah. it was. It was very low cost, and we started out with 2,500 feet. So now I've got my warehouse, built a website, and we got going and and continued to be mentored by the folks in Florida. But that's our origin story, sort of like this is why we're here because, I, you know, God said this is where you should be. And I feel like for the first time in my life, I really am where I'm supposed to be, doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Oh, that's so cool. That is so cool. So you said you don't want to go back to the banking industry and you're new at this. You've been in it for a while. But what did the banking experience? I also noticed you have a paralegal thing in your your background. What did that do for you in terms of what you're doing now? And not that you want to go back to it, but it often brings stuff along for the journey. And to run 20, I think you said 20 banks you are in charge of 20 banks, you, you have a different way of looking at the world than the average startup who's starting a small uh, e-cycling company or any company for that matter. You've got this perspective of the world that's been driven by structure and process. And so what were some of the lessons you've brought or some of the insights that have shaped your vision because of your banking experience? I am so thankful for banking and what it, 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 what it is vital to what I'm doing now. It really is. So again, while I wouldn't want to go back into that world, what it, it did for me is amazing. I started out in banking as a, what they called a licensed financial specialist. So I had a series six and six three license. I did loans, I opened checking accounts. I did all of that and then moved my, my way up through various mergers to become what they called a regional manager, where you yeah. oversaw all these things. But during, during all of that, you know, what did I learn? What can I bring forward to the business? So A, you learn about uh, how businesses fail, growing too quickly, leveraging, you know, so all of that stuff that you're dealing with from a financial perspective, how to, you know, look at a, a, a P&I sheet, like all of that business stuff happened sort of in the beginning as that licensed financial specialist, because they, they did a, a wonderful job in training. I'm not formally educated. So they taught me all of that. So, and there's a lot of regulations in banking. And, you, and like you said, there's these regulations and things that you have to follow. And then as a regional manager, I had to oversee making sure all of those, as you've mentioned, processes and things were in place. And also during that journey from a banking perspective, what I saw 
especially at the regional level, what really would make me sad is I've seen the older client come in who's had their information stolen. I've seen the scams and all the, the, the wire things that would happen that people were getting their information taken from them. And so I had a lot of passion around protecting those people. The other piece that it really brought for me and what was important in my journey in, in this company, banks will tout very often their mission and their vision and their value system. And sadly, for whatever reason, they don't necessarily stick to those things the way that they portray it. Claim to, yeah. Yes. Like, hey, you know, we're all of this. And yet you're not acting, you know, there's a whole, the behaviors never lie thing. And with Omega, what was important to me too. So I learned that, the the mission and vision and, you know, they would preach how important it was. and, And I agree. And so I also brought that with me in the beginning of Omega. It was the most important thing to me to make sure that I had my mission statement correct, what I really wanted to do, and that our values were in place and that we are going to stick to those values in everything that we do. Mm. So while that is sort of a positive negative in that like it wasn't completely followed the way I would have wanted it to, and bang, this gave me the opportunity to say, yes, this is how I'm going to run my company and I'm going to make sure we stick to it. So yeah. So that's kind of like what that piece of it, I'm, I'm getting very thankful for all that it taught me. It helped me a lot. QuickBooks, which is not my, my, my favorite is being in front of people. It is also, people don't realize that banking is sales. I've been in sales my whole life and, and so is this, you know, you yeah. have to, but you're selling sort of something different, but yes. So yes, I thankful gave me all of that. And I'm really, really, I, I use it every day. So yeah, bless them. Cool. So you're new into this. You're only a couple of years in, and uh, obviously COVID's been a, a factor in this whole equation. But what have been some of the more um, compelling challenges you've run into as you've tried to figure this business out and grow a business? And when you come from what I consider the freemium model, you've got to figure out how to make that back end work for you, right? How do you, how do you produce revenue? Because because when you it, like, so what are some of the the things you've learned along the way or some of the struggles that you've had to build a, a machine that's big enough to support, you know, support what you need to do? G- sure. Give me a sense of that. Sure. So, hey, again, I, you know, I must thank the the mentors that we've had because there's been others along the along the way. And I will also I go back to a very wonderful mentor from banking that I have gone back through this, but what was happening with the business, because in the beginning it was just my husband and I, and so I, I am kind of a great marketer. And I, so I'm out there pushing that marketing gas and we'd get a lot of work in and then I'd have to pull off the gas because it was like right. just he and I, and that's hence the wire girl, you know, like go over there and there's this giant pile of wire that I'm doing i know how to take a computer like you know so there's a benefit in all of that that i know every piece of this business but we were no one in this area is doing it so we get this and again i'm I'm sort of connected because of the banking world thank thankfully once again thank the banking industry i know a lot of people on served on a lot of boards so i hit the marketing you know gas then i'd have to pull back and and you know catch your breath and and then hit the gas again and then you know catch your breath and again through our 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 mentors, we were kind of learning where to go with the stuff afterwards to get to get paid. So 
they really helped us to build those relationships. This industry is an, um, an amazing um, relationship. The, yes. it's, it's, it's awesome. But the struggle was this, you know, like the back and forth of like, mm. the gas, take the gas. Me being in the warehouse, which is not, I, you know, I know that no one can see me, but you can tell I really don't belong. <laughs> and of course, you know, I had two moments where we're like, you know, my husband, A, told me that my nails look like shit. And I'm like, <laughs> like okay, well, you do the wire. You know, and then he literally said, we got to get some help or you're going to find me dead in this warehouse. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And so then we hired our son in September. And when I, when I did that, life changed. And, and not that I don't, I still, I still want to stay regardless of how big this company gets. And I really hope it does. I think back to the mission and the value system that I have in place, I still want to walk in that warehouse and know how to shred a drive and know how to take apart a computer. Again, it's not necessarily where I want to spend all my time, right. but I still want to be a part of that. But yeah, that was the struggle. But now we have him and um, they are a, a great team. And I'm able, I've been able to like hit the gas really hard. And it's so, it's so challenging because it's just me. And, you know, yep. Yep. we're building the income up and now I have an employee to pay there's still challenges in how much money that you, you know, I don't have money, big marketing dollars. So I'm, I'm again, once again, the hat of, I'm the marketer too. Um, luckily I'm pretty good at that. So, you know, connections and, and, and working it that way. So, and they are my husband and son because they think alike, which again, on a, on a good day is they work very efficiently together on a, on the opposite of that is when I go in there, they both pick on me about the same kind of thing. And they're, you know, they're, they're very detail oriented. I'm much more big picture. So, you know, we kind of, right. you have your, you have your moments. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's fun. It's funny. And I'm like, okay, I gotta, I gotta get out of here. You guys are driving me nuts. But yeah, but so, yeah, so that's sort of the ups and downs of that. But now it's, it's much, it's, it's smoothing out, smoothing out. All right. So you've said a couple of times you're an amazing marketer and I want to, I want to double click on that because I think there's some interesting thing under the hood there. So what, what makes you an amazing marketer? What, what are some of the things that you do? What are some of the actions you take or the ways you think about the world that allow you to do marketing in a way that elevates your presence, that elevates your results? Well, I am a firm believer that you do business with people that you know, like, and trust. I, and that's who I do business with, right? And it it's all about relationships. I really don't want a one-time thing, you know, like some of my partners that I that I work with in the in the IT world that are in the IT companies are great partners to give you referrals. You know, these are people that I go have a cup of coffee with, you know, that we might have lunch that they're gonna know about my family and I'm going to about their family. I, right. I, I'm not necessarily saying like every detail, every person, but relationships are the key. And that is really what I focus on. I define success as leaving a person or place better for having been there. And so um, that's my goal every time, regardless of what the end result is after that. So I don't focus on getting the, the business necessarily. I, I focus on the relationship so that they know who I am back to that mission and vision and values. They know who I am. So they trust that I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. And uh, through those relationships, that is how it's, how it's growing. So yeah, relationship building is, is vital. The old, 
I'm sorry. Yeah, so so let me dig dig on that a bit because relationship building in today's world seems to have changed somehow. I think because and I think the the layer of COVID did something to that in terms of we all hid behind our computers a lot because that's just the nature of it. But relationship building is often I don't know skin to skin. I feel like you gotta you gotta sit with people. You gotta be connected with them. I mean, we can do it via video. I recognize that, but. How are you doing relationship building with people you don't know versus those you've had a history with? I understand how to do it with historical people, but what are you doing when you're trying to build a new relationship, say with a vendor partner, like a IT firm, a new company that you have no relationship with? What's your relationship strategy in that case? Well, you you bring up a very and very true and interesting point, time that the the sales world altogether or how you approach a, 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 a prospect, a prospective client relationship is very different than pre-COVID. You know, it's much more, um, I'm going to use the word assertive in the yeah. approach. And so, you know, what I have, here, the good news for me was that I was never like that. I, I really wasn't. I've always been a needs-based, how can I help you make your life better? approach. So that was, again, not to tout, but it was a plus for me. I, I was yeah. never transactional in banking. It was about a relationship. It was always about that. I just, what I watched happen as I re-entered this building, this business was like, wait a minute, people want to know you. Yes. Again, good news for me. I want to know people because I love people. So so when I look at how do I, how do I approach people that I don't know? So yes, I, you know, I did the normal stuff of like the chamber and a couple of, of networking opportunities. I've also found LinkedIn to be highly an area of, of opportunity for me. And so my approach in it, and it, and it does come, here's the p- piece that people will always sense is whether you're authentic and whatever approach you're taking, if you're reading a script or um, not coming at someone from a, an authentic, good place, they're going to sense that. And I've been told, and I, and I do my best to always be authentic and genuine. And so my approach to someone that I don't know is like, let's get together and get to know each other. Let's start with that. You know, because, mm. you know, we might not even like each other, right? right. And, and so, how, so how does that play in the world? Like like on LinkedIn, I, I'm, I'm intrigued because so many, so f- like in, in the greater let's call it the, you know, related to iSigma, which now includes Nate and, and Prism, the the relational part of this world has really, in my opinion, diminished a lot because it's very much a lead gen environment. Lots, you know, web, web marketing creates leads, leads come into a transaction and nothing wrong with that. That's that's business. But in in the world that you're talking about, and you're talking about it so uniquely and differently that I'm intrigued by how you how you say in the world practically, hey, I just want to help. Let's start with a relationship. How do you do that? Like, is are you just gutsy enough to go out there and do that? Or because I mean, I, I I understand that you know I grew up when you know before the internet, and so you know that's how you built business back then. It's like you you had to go you you had to go knock on a door. You had to go talk to people. You didn't hide behind a website and an email address or even a LinkedIn profile. You went out and did this. So. What what are you doing uniquely to to actually connect and say let's build a relationship? How do you do that, and how do you find that plays in the world? You know, actually, and again, maybe it's, it's I find that I, again I'm blessed. It's in my nature. So I, as I said, I much I love people. I did a they did a personality test on me in one of the banking things as they do, and 
they talked about the fact that there are some people when they are around a lot of people, they need to take that moment to recharge their battery. That's what they yep. called it, a battery. They said that my battery was twice the size of an average person, which means that you give me people and more people and I just get jazzed. So right. there's that is kind of playing. But with what you're talking about, again, my approach is always to be sincere and authentic. Like, here's a great example. I had a, I reached out, no, a gentleman reached out to me actually from an IT company, which I thought this is great, but he was reaching out to sell me something. And in this moment of time, I don't have the money to, to, you know, the marketing money to do what he wanted me to do. And I was very sincere, kind but truthful has always been my, my two words in management and banking to now. And so kind and truthfully, I, I said, you know, I really appreciate you reaching out and, you know, I don't want to waste your time. However, you know, there's some opportunity that maybe I can offer you. And certainly in the future, I would consider what you have to, you know, have to offer. And if you don't want to meet, I completely understand that too. Mm. So the guy wrote back and he's like, I just want to meet with you because you were truthful. Like, and said, yeah. yeah. And then the other example I have is I literally wrote to a guy on LinkedIn and said, hey, I'd like to get together and I'd like to learn, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, either a phone call or if you want to get together face to face, that would be great. And let's learn about each other's businesses because that is what has changed. It's not just about right. you anymore. And the other piece that changed is changed to me is that it's also the support system. I think that was more of a birthing in COVID of small business, supporting small business, local supporting local yeah. you know, birthed in COVID, if you will. And so now there seems to me this thing of like, how can we help each other? And I try to do that too. Like I try to give back. It's not just about me. I truly do want to know about your business. What can I do for you as well? And when you do that, when you give, you will absolutely give, get, you know, get back. Another mentor of mine, Chuck McDonald, I met him via LinkedIn, who owns a company like mine at Chattanooga, Resource One, knew me for, did not know me, but we connected, you know, he, he gave me this statement and I love it. And he said, God will never let you outdo kindness. Mm. And so I love that. And so, yeah, so that's been, that's my approach of like, Hey, delightful, delightful. Well, I have to be completely honest with you, which is, I, I don't even remember when I made a connection with you on LinkedIn. I, I noticed you through my, you know, you know how LinkedIn allows you to sort of see people who are like other people and right. they recommend it. And I don't remember the date that I sort of made that connection, whether you made it with me or I made, I don't remember, but I, I watched you know, and not because I was actively watching your feed, but, you know, every so often something shows up. And then I discover that you're promoting a book and a book. I love books. I may, you know, I've, I, I love physical books. I have all of, I, I've written book. So this book shows up in your feed a couple of times and, and that intrigues me. And that's actually the pure reason I asked you on the show, because I'm, I'm interested in your business, but I've seen a, a number of e-cycling businesses. I'm, I'm more interested in you because you wrote this book and the book is called Stripping Off the Labels. And and because we've scheduled this recently, I decided, well, I'm going to go dig in on this book. And so I bought the book on Amazon and and my gosh, it's a powerful book. And so I'm going to start there. And, and so give me a genesis of why you write a book called Stripping Off the Labels. And I must say, and we can we can actually, we'll link to the Amazon book page in the show notes, but 
this this is literally the book is you stripping off the labels and you're on the cover of this book behind the title stripped off basically so give me a sense of why the heck are you writing this book it's unrelated to business in many ways but i believe deeply because i actually wrote a book called you are the logo that somehow this is a marketing thing but it's also something else because the story is profound so give me a sense of why you wrote the book it's interesting how that has evolved, where it started, and then how it's evolved with, with the business. Uh, to me, I think it's interesting. So for me, as I mentioned earlier, I am not formally educated. I am not from, quote, the right family. I'm from, I grew up very poor and in this small little town in eastern North Carolina. And two things, you know, one, I wanted to be a motivational speaker. One of the things my goal is, is you know, I like to, I want to move people to do great things or to feel good about themselves and, and, and have that impact, a positive impact. And so I thought about growing up the way that I did, had I listened to either self-inflicted or labels put on me by others, there's no way that I would have been and done the things that I've done from a career perspective. And I thought that there were other people out there that were like that. And I wanted to get that message out that you don't have to do that. You don't have to do what the world has said you you are. You know, you are you, you need to strip those off and be you. I always say, if you're an oak tree, be the best oak tree. Don't let someone else tell you who you are. And I think I'm a great example that thank God I didn't do that because, I, you know, I would not be where I where I am today. I just wouldn't. And then, you know. I wrote that it was a very scary moment to let that go because it was very, I'm very vulnerable in that book. And my editor said, you know, this is really raw, you know, and then, then the, the cover is, is, you know, provocative and, and, but, you know, I got through, took me three, three years to write it. And, and then my husband says, don't skip on the, skip on the cover. And I'm like, okay, let's go to New York and have, you know, a glam squad and let's do this. And so the cover was my idea. And so I do that, and then I start this e-cycling business. And, you know, when I was in banking, I could have never done right. that because a banker right. is, you know, we're very conservative. We wouldn't do that. But I'm like, huh, I have my own company now. And I did have a moment in time where I'm like, how do these go together? And, like, what is the corporate world out there at large going to think of this, you know, half-naked girl in front of this books? <laughs> right? And it was it was sort of scary. And then I'm like, what I started to notice was when I would post about my book, it would get the most responses. And, and, and I thought, you know, I wouldn't have been able to start a business over 50. And now it's when you say, Reese, you don't look like you're over 50. Just so you know, Tom and Casey. Reese, you do not look at, you don't even look close to 40. So. Oh, yeah. well, I mean, you did there great. You That's awesome. There you go. So that, that, way I grew up said I had to start over many times, right? So I did start over. I'm kind of recycled, I say. You know, I recycled those labels that maybe someone might say is negative and turn them into a positive and I offer the world who, who I truly am. And so, so now I've put them together and it's been an mm. amazing thing because that, back in marketing, that's what people want. Yes, people yes. They want a real person, you know? Yes. So it's been, what's great, I've had, I've had IT people buy that book and say, oh my gosh, this is awesome. I've had 
more men buy it, which has been great. I mean, you know, my editor asked me, who's your audience? And I'm like, well, I think everyone. People look at it and think it's tended towards women. It's not. We all are out there wearing labels because the world has told us one thing or another that we can't be. So, yeah, yeah. passion. So I get excited. No. So, so related to that, I read the book and I have to say that you, you kind of say it's a story, but to me, it's a profound story. It's a deeply complicated, there's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of heartache. You said poverty, but based on how I read it, it wasn't just poverty. It was extreme poverty. Yes. And so the first question for me is, and there's, there's a two part to this question. The first question is what are the labels that you've had to extract yourself from the most deeply that you had to strip off? What were the most deeply connected labels that you've had to get rid of over time? That's the first question. And then the second question, you can come at this however you want is how do you, how do you, and where in you is that courage to do that? Because a lot of people have the labels. And they don't ever find a way to strip them. And yet you found a way to strip them and to change this story that you were born into, that you grew into. And feel free to explain whatever that looks like. And I'm I'm willing to go longer on this show than we normally do, because I think it's such a profound thing, which is we come from our past and our past defines us. And we move through life. And so often I, I work with people who, as a coach, who are in, you know, later stages of their journey who are still playing the same game and still have the same labels attached. You did something different. So tell me the labels, but also tell me what, what, what was inside of you that kept you going towards a different way of living, a different way of life. Thank you for that question. And, and, you know, and I will have to say to you that for me, I had to not let the past define me. So that was, that was super, super important. And so, yes, I, I grew up when we say poor, poor as in, you know, I'm working at McDonald's so that I can bring home money to give to my mother to help keep the lights on for. Right. Like, right. Not, you know, not just doing without, you know, I had Christmases from the Salvation Army or no Christmas at all. My senior year in high school, I would get up and get open McDonald's at five in the morning and then I'd go to school, you know, 830, 830. Then I'd go to, you know, cheerleading practice and then I'd go back to McDonald's and work again just to try and, you know, get the money to, to and it was to help, the, always to help the family. Right. Because, so there was no way sort of out of that cycle, which didn't allow me to understand that I could go to college. No one I know now, like I could have gone to college for completely free. I, I, they didn't, no one helped me to know that I could do that. I was smart enough. I graduated with even all that going on top of my class had the SAT scores. I was certainly socially involved in everything, captain of the Chilean squad, all this stuff. So from the outside, somebody would have maybe looked at me and thought, she's doing okay. But inside, internally, yeah. I, was, I was not okay as right. a teenager. But, you know, I go back to one of my favorite books it, or authors is Malcolm Gladwell. I love him. And he wrote a book, David and Goliath, which is how weakness becomes strength and the strength becomes a weakness. And so through all of that, I learned to be, again, you know, we moved like 17 times from the time I was eight till I was 18. So, you know, you learn to be flexible, um, resilient. I also think that I was lucky to be born tenacious and I was a thinker from the beginning. So, you know, I, I don't want to make this sound like, oh, you have to be naturally gifted in order to do the, this stuff. 
because you don't. I just was blessed. But everyone has something. You know, they have something that they're good at. There's something that's inside them that wants to get out. They just have to, you know, let it out. And lots of times when you're in those scenarios, that gift and that great thing is shoved down inside of you. And so, you know, my first reaction at 18 was to escape and get yep. out of that small town. And so, of course, you know, the first Marine I met, I, I moved to Pennsylvania, left that behind me. And so when you talk about, I was still going to think I was going to be a paralegal. I really wanted to be an attorney, which thank the Lord, I, I didn't do that. Nothing against attorneys. It's just that, again, back to the de- detail is tedious for me. Yep. I like yep. big picture, so it just would never have worked out. I think it's kind of ridiculous that we make 18-year-olds decide what they want to do for the rest of their lives at, no. when they're 18. Well, we're still trying to figure it out at 50 or 60. Exactly, exactly. Right. And so so one of the hardest, like, we talk about labels. So there was, there was A, there was the, the way that, my physical appearance was a really, I still fight that label to this day because, you know, growing up, I kind of felt like I was wearing this label. I was actually described this way as, you know, there's, there was no dating app. So you met a, met a guy via like your friends or whatever. So right. you had a, a chubby girl with the pretty face. And but now I look at those pictures. I'm like, I wasn't chubby just because a girl beside me is like a twig. I mean, I was chubby. But that has impacted me from a physical, mm. you know, up and down dieting still battle it to this day so that you know that has nothing really to do with business but when you talk about what what struggle do i continue and this is also to inspire Mm -hmm. some labels you rip off daily there are times when i'm fighting that particular label every day Mm -hmm. i'm like okay you know so it's not like it's not like the label is gone forever. It's the, the the label that comes along for the ride you have to work on and practice. Yes. And then there's also redefining a label and that we have these labels that are negative. I, I use this one. It's it's prissy. I'm prissy. Right. I hmm. am. My husband knows it. My friends know it. I jokingly say I'm pretty sure I'd be the first one kicked off of Survivor. I mean, maybe the second, because I could charm my way through the first, the first of them, but they're going to be like, get out of here. You know, some would look at that word and call that bad. And it's not, it, it's, it's, it's who I am. So, you know, I want to wear, I'm going to, I am Chrissy. So that, and that's okay. Redefining some of those that maybe people have put a negative connotation on, recycle them, if you will, mm. and, and, and own them. And then there are some that I have, you know, that I feel like I have gotten rid of but they will as you said sometimes they'll peek up and and say hello again like not being formally educated you know Mm. i go to into into banking and you know i i got my series 6 and 63 license that is no small feat by the way and so i would have clients where did you grab you know where did you go to college i'm like "Mm, i didn't do that so i had moments in time where that particular one was through business was a bit challenging for me because I felt a little bit of that imposter syndrome, if you will, like, oh, maybe I don't belong. And yet now I'm like, but look what I've done. Look what I, I, I am doing. Yeah. And there's also a change in the world. As we know, there's not so much of a focus. There's a lot more going towards trade schools. Pennsylvania just passed a law where you could work for the state without having a degree, which I think is great because I, I believe that, you know, if you stick to your mission and vision and hire the right people, who have the right heart that you, you know, for the most part, you can train them. I'm not, obviously not brain surgery, but you know, other things. So those are two tough ones. You know, the one about the not, not formally educated, I fight them when I'm pretty good. Mm. I keep that off pretty good. The, the, the self-image thing, I work on that, which is why I also did that cover, you know, the way that right. I did. 
to be like free of that and be proud of, of, of who I am and remember that I'm also beautiful on the inside. And that shot, and it does shine through. It shines through on everyone. So yeah. it's a very so, long answer, but anyway. Yeah. No. So in in the book, you talk about you're, you're very vulnerable about your mistakes, your screw-ups, and more. I mean, you just put it all out there. You put everything out there <laughs> in a very in a very honest way. It's not like you're trying to make you know make it look worse than it is. It seems like this is just this crazy life that I was part of. How has that vulnerability that it, that willingness to share and be honest about your mistakes and your screwed ups, how has that been a benefit to you more specifically in say the last five to 10 years, that, that ability to be very vulnerable, not just about your past, but about your present. How has that practice of writing history in a book about all these mistakes now come to support you in day-to-day life? Where, where has it benefited you in how you live your life today? Well, you know, I, I really do try to learn from learn from my mistakes, and I think, and and also back to the journey of like, you know, I knew, you know, and I'm gonna, my book tells you I'm a potty mouth. I knew that I was fucked up, I, you know, at 28, I knew that I was like in a mess, and so I, I sought therapy, I, I sought a lot of things to get better. So I knew that things weren't right with me, and that I needed to change that. So you know, so there was a lot of work in there as as we evolve. But I'm thankful. For all that that taught me, we all make mistakes. The best gift that I've gotten from writing this book, Tom, and, and the amazing thing is how many people, women, a few men, reach out to me and say, "Oh my gosh, this sounds like me." Oh mm. my gosh, uh, you know, I am not alone. I just said it. When I was, you know, quite honestly, when I hit that button to download it at Amazon, I was scared shitless, and I'm like, "Nope, I did this. I'm going to hit that button." It's going to go out there. My husband went even more scared. <laughs> but, but I was, you know, but I'm like, and I just, you know, a, fr- a mentor of mine from banking said, feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, yep, let's just do this. And the other piece was truly, truly my goal at the end of the day, whether it's with Omega or the book or however I can in everyday life is, can I make a difference in somebody's life? And I know that sounds corny but i promise you it is what is in my heart i wrote that book because i wanted i knew there were other people out there like me and i wanted them to know that they are not alone and that it's okay to have made those mistakes just you know work on yourself do better so truly i really want to help people i do i think what i do as a business is impactful and i think that book has been impactful to, to people who have who have read it. At least that's what they're telling me. So don't forget to go on and do an Amazon review. Yes, right, right, <laughs> right. That's that's how authors support each other. Yeah. Um, I, we've had a great conversation, but there's there's another area I want to dig into a little bit. And, you know, you 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 in the book, as I read through it, one of the things that showed up throughout the book a number of times was you you create these rules for yourself. And, and you have, you know, four rules that I live by. And then later on, there's another set of rules that I live by. So let's not take the, the rules you created in the book. I'm, I'm interested in the rules you live by today and, and not all of them, because I know you have a bunch, but, and you've, you've alluded to a many, many of those in our conversation, but I'd, I'd be interested in, in sort of in the back of your mind, what are the rules that you currently live by? What are, what are some of the more important rules that, that govern your actions, your relationship, the way you think about the world, your life, 
the business, those kind of things. So, but, but I, I know you have them because you write about them. So I know they're there. So give me a sense of what some of those might be. You know, for me on a day-to-day basis, and again, and this is just truly being uh, open and honest, because you know there's a difference. You can be honest, but not necessarily open. I really work every day to be kind and notice the small things. My friends, we have a couple that we got to dinner with quite, you know, probably almost every weekend. There's like my husband's best friend and our good, good friends. And one of the things I do as an example is I always will know the waiter or waitress's name. I ask them their name and they pick on me. They're like, why do you do that? I'm like, because it's important. They're here. This is what they do. I'm going to speak to them. I'm going to call them there, you know, by their name. Because of what I've been through in my life, I really do focus a lot on being positive. Positive thinking has kept me alive, quite honestly. You know, how do I turn that frown upside down? How do I, you know, what does this mean? What's my lesson? That's a thing. You know, what's my lesson here? Like, okay, this didn't go the way I wanted it to. So what is my lesson? What should I know from this? So, you know, I do that. But I also now because of what I've been given, all the mentoring and all the help and all of that, one of my main things that I really am trying to do right now is is my work for the year is impact. And so I really am trying to give back what had been given to me through these years and however I can do that. So I do belong to a women's group. It's uh, York, uh, the name is kind of funny, the York Pocadoc Powerhouse. It's a, it is a national organization, the, the Pocadoc Powerhouse. I, I work with some ladies in there and I, I love nothing more than finding a person that I can help mentor or lift up. Because mm. sometimes that's all we need is, a, right. is an, an encouraging word, a hug, or again, you're going to be okay. You know, my mom, before she passed away, the thing that she would always say is, you know, it's going to be all right. You're a survivor. That was a, a main thing and a main theme that I brought forth through my life. And I also share that with other people that might be the and I always try to look for ways that I can help and support the, the people that I know and love. Yeah. And, and, and know, too. Like, how can, I, how can I help this person? What can I do? Who can I share their story with and help them, help them with? So I know that's different than the rules you read in my book. But it's how I live my life in this moment from all those lessons in yeah. that book. Well, Reese, I, I have to say that that I don't normally spend this much time in a conversation on the Shred Coach podcast, but it's been magnificent. Thank you for the impact you are making. Thank you for lifting us up today with your insights, your words, your history. Uh, you are a survivor, and I have a feeling that Omega will survive all kinds of cool stuff. And so thank you again for being here. I deeply appreciate your presence and can't wait for other people to know and learn and hear about you. Thank you, Tom. I really appreciate this time as well. And thank you for, um, I would say, allowing me to be me, which is, which is really all I can do. But I really appreciate you giving me this space to be open and honest like that and be my authentic self. So thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Shred Coach Podcast with Tom Adams. Make sure to visit TomAdams.com for executive coaching, advisory board services, podcasting, training, and more. And subscribe to our email list so you can have first access to brand new strategies, tips, and ideas from trusted shredding and business professionals.